Have you ever felt like we're not alone? This is the tale of Alien Encounters. Stories, folklore, legends, leyendas, cuentos y más. This is Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen at your own risk. I'm Christina. And I'm MJ. And this is episode 12 of a Spooky Tales, right? We're 12? I have no idea. I stopped I counting. So. <laughs> I'm keeping count, sort of, except when I lose track. Uh, today, we have a special guest, a good friend of MJ's. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Lulu. I have known MJ since we were in high school. Something you guys may or may not know about MJ, she was in, in typically about the same clique that I was in. We were very gothic-y, rocker-y type of girls. Mm-hmm. I know that, Christina, you were a couple years behind us, I believe. Oh, wait. You went to Downey, too? I yeah. did. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think I was a year behind you both then. Yes. Thanks, girls, for having me on here. I'm, I'm really excited to hear the story and talk about the stories. And we're excited to listen. Oh, we got some good stories, you guys. Some really, 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 really good stories. Today, we're talking about aliens. And UFOs. Yes. I do want to start out by just saying aliens are not like my favorite cryptid. (laughs) (laughs) They're really not. Especially when the ancient aliens show came out. It's so racist. And now everybody thinks that indigenous people were not able to build these beautiful things that they did build because of the show because they're like oh that's impossible they had to have the help of aliens no indigenous people were smart they were beautiful they are my bad not were are and they built those things not ancient aliens so yeah my rant is over (laughs) i i agree um i have a friend named micah hanks and he was like it is so incredibly racist to say that they couldn't do this when you know you have Stonehenge and those are are um are given credit to humans so why not the same thing and compared to Stonehenge the pyramids in you know Peru and Mexico, Mexico they're like well, way prettier yeah <laughs> and, and Mexico has the what is it the largest pyramid in the world isn't it oh is that i don't know i'm pretty sure Correct me, as spookies, correct me if I'm wrong. At me <laughs> this time, at, I really at need MJ. you. To- <laughs> at but like a good, a good ad, a good not a bad ad. Yeah, She's not, not like trying that. to fight everyone this time. <laughs> I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm gonna start off by just sharing a little bit about this place. It's called La Zona de Silencio, or the Zone of Silence. It is in uh, Mapimi, Durango. Uh, And the zone spreads across the states of Durango, Chihuahua, and Coahuila. So in 1966, an oil company called Pemex attempted to explore this area, but they gave up because they kept having radio problems and they weren't able to communicate during this mission. During the attempted expedition, the guy leading it, his name was Augusto, such a weird name because it's like too many languages going on in the name for me. Anyway, <laughs> his name is Augusto Harry de la Peña. 
It's weird, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> why it's like not my like Augusto <laughs> Jose de la Peña or something? <laughs> like, why is the name oh. Harry in there? It's throwing me off. It's like a, like a wrench, just like. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. And he was the first one to call it the zone of silence. And then later in the 1970s, a uh, na- is it NASA? NASA? NASA. <laughs> NASA. <laughs> Thank you. A NASA. NASA. <laughs> Sounds weird. Am I saying it weird? NASA. NASA. Okay. <laughs> Everybody say NASA 15 million times for <laughs> sounding weird. So in the 1970s, a NASA test rocket by the name Athena was launched from Utah and was heading towards the White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico. Instead, somehow the test rocket lost control and landed in the Mapipi Desert. Mapimi, my bad. I said Mapipi. Oh, my God. (laughs) Today is just going to be that kind of day for me, apparently. In the Mapimi Desert region of Durango, that's where it landed. Mm -hmm. The uh, NASA engineer Werner von Braun. You got it. (laughs) Yes. Was sent to the area to investigate the crash. And once the investigation commenced, rumors and legends about the area spread Possibly by people helping the investigation that were local. They're like, oh, this is a touristy option um, for us. And if we spread this stuff, maybe people will visit more. Um, So that is one possibility. But too many stories, I don't know, for me to say that it's all made up are out there. So the, the mission was very secretive and stories and legends spread wildly. So according to these tales, uh, electromagnetic transmissions cannot be received in this area. Radios do not work. Compasses do not point to magnetic north. And the flora and fauna in the area have abnormal mutations. And there's like purple cactus there. There, they, There's just like weird looking plants. That's awesome. I yeah, I that. saw some pictures that I'm going to repo- reshare on Instagram of the super pretty purple cactus. <laughs> So we'll say that like 10 times. No. (laughs) But stories of alien encounters and other paranormal activity began spreading in the zone of silence. A Mexican pilot named Francisco Sarabia reported that in the 1930s, when he flew over the zone, his radio suddenly and mysteriously failed to work. And similar claims followed his. In 1969, the Allende meteorite fell in the zone and fueled the stories but before that large meteorites also fell there in 1938 and in 1954 and the area is seasoned over abundance of meteor showers and people say that they see had they have seen fireballs in the sky and what looks like fireballs rolling down the sides of mountains like if they were tumbleweeds on fire which seems weird yeah right i don't know that sounds really pretty. <laughs> um, and there are many stories of people getting lost in the zone of silence. And these people claim to see tall, blonde beings that appear out of nowhere. These tall, blonde aliens <laughs> speak perfect Spanish. And they only ask for water before they suddenly disappear into thin air without leaving footprints behind. Every time someone asks them where they are from all they say is from above what (laughs) excuse me what (laughs) it's weird that they're tall and blonde 
Have you guys heard of, of Starseed? Uh, no, what's that? No. So they're like, it's like a new age type of um, belief. I'm sure it was around before, but it's like star people. They're known as star scenes slash indigo children. Oh, I've heard of I've heard of the indigo children. But that kind of reminds me of of that. They're very they're, they're described as very for the most part very tall, blonde, blue eyes, or very like mystical type of of look. So it's like it's huh. like other places have like similar um, sightings. That's weird. Yeah, I would feel weird among them. <laughs> be like, I'm be like, I'm short. What are the brown aliens? I'm brown. <laughs> no, I have, I'm not a brunette. I'm, right? Like, clearly, this is not my party. <laughs> One famous encounter uh, with these people is from 1975. Josefina and Ernesto Diaz were looking for fossils in the zone of silence. And there was a flash flood that left them trapped in their cars longer than normal. And while they were trying to move their car, they were suddenly surrounded by a group of tall blonde men that looked almost yellow, like they were glowing. And they just pushed the car with ease because the car was like stuck. You know, when you get it stuck in like the wheel keeps like moving, but you can't. What's that? Does it have a name? But I know what you mean. Like when it gets stuck in the mud and it's just like they're not moving, like the wheels moving, but you can't get out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they couldn't move it from that. And this mysterious group of tall blonde men just like moved it with no problem. And when the couple wanted to thank them, they turned and like the people were nowhere to be seen, almost as as if they had vanished. Josefina and Ernesto did not even see a single pair of footsteps in the mud. And I mean, they should have, right? See, that's I mean, I mean, thank god for that but at the same time that's kind of scary like if because you just don't know what's going on right and they just disappeared um another man who lives in the area he's lived there all his life his name is benjamin or i guess benjamin because he's mexican benjamin palacios said that when he was 12 him and his brother were out in the zone of silence uh just exploring because they have like a un rancho that a ranch that's like right there um, and so they were out and he's, they both saw lights appear from above and then completely encircle them. And when they got back to the ranch, they don't know how they got back. They just were back at the ranch and two hours had gone by and they didn't, they have no recollection so of missing anything time. at all. Yes. Yeah. And, and they don't know how they got back or anything. Um, but he also says he's never been sick and he believes that it stinks to living in, in the zone. The guy's uh, wife, which I forgot her name. I, I don't know why I didn't write down this story. But he, she says that the zone has been good for the entire family. Their kids, Benjamin and his wife, their, her, their daughter could not cons- mm-hmm. like, um, get pregnant. And then um, one day they just went out into the zone came back and since then they've been able to have two kids so they they and they attribute all this like health and good things to living in the zone area heals you whatever whatever else that is yeah that is what they believe awesome i want to i can stand behind that i think that's i'd like to go save some medical bills because the american healthcare system (laughs) let's go there let's get some healing it's free (laughs) oh that's interesting i would like to visit i mean so far, it just seems like whatever these things are, are helpful. So not scary. Uh, but yeah, that is the zone of silence. Okay, my turn. 
I'm sorry for our Portuguese listeners, but this is uh, has a lot of Portuguese words, and I am going to butcher them, and I apologize in advance. I hear a lot of like UFO uh, story sightings from Brazil, and I was like, let me pick one of the most famous ones. So I looked into a pretty well-known sighting that happened in Brazil in January of 1996 in the city of Varjina. A few citizens of Varjina had sightings of one, one or more creatures and a UFO sighting. According to the Brazilian media, these girls, ranging from the age of 14 to 22, on one afternoon on January 20th, 1996, Ka- I'm gonna, I'm sorry for these girls. I'm gonna butcher your names and I apologize. Cadia Andrade. Xavier and and two sisters Lilian and Valkyria Fatima Silva came across a five foot tall bipedal creature, described as brown with large red eyes, big head, and a thin body with V shaped feet. This creature, when they encountered him, it appeared to be injured. Uh, the girls went to their parents and told them that they had seen, quote unquote, the devil. And they were not believed. The sister's mother went to the area where the girls saw the creature. The area had a very strong ammonia-like odor. All they found was footprints. Uh, news spread fast. And soon everyone around the city was talking about the UFO sighting and the creature sightings. And that the military was involved. According to some of the residents, a creature similar to what the girls first witnessed was seen dead on the side of the road, and the military came in and retrieved the body. Some people witnessed two creatures being taken by the military. Farm owners, Orlalina and Euricio de Frietas, spotted a UFO after their animals seemed to be unsettled. According to them, the UFO hovered over the fields for 40 minutes. And uh, the official story uh, from the authorities was that the girls had, in fact, come across a mentally unstable homeless man covered in mud and not a creature. You can't mistake a, a human being covered in mud. And uh, so, you know, listeners, you guys picked the truth. Was it a mentally unstable homeless man? Or was it a creature? Um, so now Varjina is a tourist attraction and many people around the world go there to try to figure out what happened. So yeah, I'm down to go if they have like a bunch of novelties to sell. And I mean, it's Brazil, so they probably got some bomb food. I was just laughing because I read your notes. And I mean, honestly, how are there restaurants? Because I'm <laughs> right. down to go. <laughs> like I said... I'm a homebody, but there's two or three places I like going before the pandemic. And they were all restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> to me, those stories, those both stories sound really similar because everybody that encounters aliens or alien sightings, they're all human-like, but not human. They all have these like extravagant mm-hmm. features. And like I'm sure everybody's heard of the Bermuda yeah. Triangle, right? It's the same same concept to me. It's like you lose signal, you radio fails, you know, engines fail, and then people just disappear, planes disappear. You know, a lot of stuff's unexplained, but I think that I, I think that it does. I think people need some sort of 
comfort and that's why they try to sit, make reason out of something you know like oh it was a homeless man or it was this and oh when yeah someone sees something it's one thing but when two people or more see the same thing and at the same different. time and at the same time when you have this yeah I, I think there's something more i think like i agree with you uh lulu that um so we just try as humans to rationalize just to make us uh, ourselves feel better because uh, for those who listen to my shadow people encounter, um, I rationalize the shit out of that because if I don't, I feel like I'd go into this mindset where I'll be completely terrified. Like I try to rationalize it the best I can. And, you know, just, just to comfort myself. So it's, it's, I mean, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I've, I've always been a really terrified person of, of really anything in, in general. And one thing that stuck out to me on one of your first podcasts was, I think, I think it was Christina's dad, where he goes, "Tiene más miedo a la, a la gente que, que al diablo que a los espíritus" mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I, he says that all the time. I agree. I do agree with him. I, you were like, I don't know why, but I am that person. I and my husband. Oh my gosh! If I am so thankful that I am married to the most brave man. Because we live, and I've told MJ, we live out in the middle of quote unquote nowhere. And my mind starts going crazy, but it's never like, oh shoot, is that a demon or is that is that an alien or is that, you know, mm-hmm. this or that? I always think, oh my God, home invasion. I always think about it that way. But I grew up with really, really like a high paranormal encounter um, or presence. And I don't know. If it's because of my my grandmother um, was a, a known witch in her town, but I don't know if that tends to follow me. And I knew at a very early age that my mom had this lady put a, a curse on her and her children. So I don't know, but I've always been really terrified of of just people in general. And one of my very first encounters was with with my my biological dad he was we we grew up really poor and we lived in this like this trailer in a in an in an orchard where my mom helped the orchard man with the I think it was I can't remember but I think it was walnuts and my dad comes in the door and he goes everybody needs to hide right now you see those blue lights over there those are aliens they're aliens and I just remember not being able to sleep after that for days like I slept but that's that day I we had these windows that were very like um kind of like those church like stained windows and I remember just seeing the blue lights getting closer and closer and they were up in the sky and till this day I have absolutely no logic behind that my and I had my it's my sister myself my brother and then my my youngest sister so it was a total of four children, my mom and my dad, and we all saw the same thing. And I'm like, was I just too young and gullible? But it was there. And in this one of those things where everybody was there and we just cannot explain it. And everybody remembers. Wow. But that's life changing. It, it really was. But to me, it's, it, I just connected because it happened again when we moved to, for, we used to live in Patterson and it happened again when we live, when we moved to Modesto my my mom and my dad had long gone through a divorce and my mom was you know remarried and everything we lived with my my stepdad 
And it was a, okay, we just had windstorms here not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy over here. So that, I cannot sleep. If it's windy, I cannot sleep. If it's rainy, okay, I'll sleep. But if it's windy and rainy, oh, forget about it. Like, I'll be tired. I will not sleep. I'm like, I'll, like, I'm going Mm -hmm. to be shaking. Well, when I was, and I think it comes from this, the, the best way I can explain it was, it was before third, it was right before third grade going into third grade. My sister and I shared a room and it was windy. It was, there was thunder, lightning, rain. And this was, this must have been in like in the late nineties. And I just remember opening my eyes, looking up at the ceiling and just the ceiling of, and this didn't happen, but the ceiling in my house was completely gone. Like it was completely gone. All I could see was like a clear night of, of stars I could feel the like the mist, and I remember waking up my sister and saying, "Hey, you know, like it, the 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 ceiling's gone." But obviously, all this, you know, in a panic, we go to the living room, and my mom and my my stepdad was already they were already awake. We go into the front yard to see like what's going on, and I kid you not, there was a huge beam of light coming from the sky directly into our neighborhood. And I swear, neighbors saw it. We saw it. This was was so weird because we couldn't we couldn't really figure out if it was a helicopter, but it was too small. And I just remember that. And I just remember being so scared and so cold. And to this day, I cannot explain that. And we talk about it. My siblings and I talked about it for years and years. And we just couldn't fi- figure it out. We couldn't like, why was our ceiling gone? But then it was fine the next day like nothing was like nothing ever happened but we never saw actual aliens we just saw like the you the, the UFO? object the UFO, <sighs> ufos yes that's intense wow. like I'm, I'm like over here like getting goosebumps <laughs> same yeah and i'm like so if anybody lived in my neighborhood at that time and if you remember something let me know because i cannot explain that my siblings cannot explain that my parents couldn't explain that so I'm just in, and to this day, it kind of takes me back and I'm like, shoo, it's windy and it's stormy. And I kind of wake up and I, every single time it's like that, I think of the same experiences and it's so, so strange. That is insane. But, yeah. Wow. Um, going on to the Modesto, you said you lived in Modesto at the time, right? When this happened, you know, yeah, what's I, funny. I hear a lot of stories that people post that like, oh, what's that strange light? It, it's ha- it hasn't happened recently, but I remember like maybe like four or five years ago, um, people were seeing stuff all over Modesto. I remember. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know. Modesto just has that vibe too. I mean, it's fucking Modesto. <laughs> I, I do remember. I do remember hearing about the UFO sightings and people are posting things. And, and then I think sprouting from that, you get a lot of sightings in in other mm-hmm. places too um around the same time which is really yeah old. we should like yeah look into that um from though what well, i'll tell you one thing uh whenever i go to modesto at night i always see shooting stars i don't know what it is that's like the weirdest thing for me like that's just the thing huh. i'm like oh look at a shooting star i saw one time in modesto um like a green fireball. I think it was like a copper or mm-hmm. copper or zinc. I don't know. Whatever the composition is when it burns up in the atmosphere. And I was like, oh, shooting star. And it was like green. It was weird. I liked it. 
Uh, yeah, I and and I had never seen shooting stars ever until I was I actually up until a couple years ago. My husband took us to Arnold for mm-hmm. a holiday, and I saw a shooting star, and I remember thinking, "Whoa, that was yes, it's really and it's so pretty. Like it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, this is gonna sound so corny, but I don't care. It's like a spiritual experience you know did you guys ever watch the Simpsons growing up yeah you guys remember that episode of uh, Mr. Burns with the with the alien the whole alien Uh, thing you're gonna probably have to explain it because the Simpsons have like a million episodes I don't know why that always sticks out to me but it's it's and I can tell you because I have it up it's it's called the Springfield Files oh it's it's when they did the 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 X-File characters right Yes, um, Mulder and Dana, and they they end up. Uh, I think Mister Burns turns into an alien or whatnot. That's my favorite. That <laughs> makes sense, though. <laughs> I love that, but you guys have to watch that. It's so cool because I do grow up watching the X Files. Same, I love the X Files. You know, it's funny. Um, I've never seen it, Christina. I've been thinking about starting it though because I think it's all on Netflix or Hulu. It, it, it's on one of those. It's not like um, I know, like I mean, the X Files are like you know kind of UFO, but not all, not all the episodes are like straight alien type things. There's some like weird, like you know, just fringe stuff in there. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's like some sort of like people mess around with certain chemicals yeah. and turn it characters and but the the x-files i watched it with my family growing up with um like at night we would always watch it and then my husband uh and my son hunter we watched it when i was pregnant mm-hmm. with levi we watched the entire entire show and it, it, even the new one and it's, it's awesome it's really well it. written i have to check it out yeah um i forgot what i was gonna say oh i remember um you know the movie uh monsters versus aliens is based in modesto yes and yes. that's because the yes. uh, uh they were like oh it's modesto like it's not just like creepy i guess but the fact that george lucas it was like an homage and i'm like how yeah i think one of the writers was from modesto or something or one of the designers or yeah and designers. i was like it makes total sense like with this topic and what the stories we're telling right now yeah <laughs> and like why is it always modesto <laughs> <laughs> i loved your stories they're so good yes you have that mexico one too don't you MJ? yes i do oh my god are you guys ready are you guys ready okay this story was told to me and uh the people wish to remain anonymous so the names have been changed it takes place in 1994 in a middle of nowhere pueblo called Latinaja in the state of Zacatecas in Mexico. Latinaja is in the municipality of uh, Villanueva. So as far as my research of this little pueblo, it no longer has residents. So as of right now, it is a ghost town. And because it has been abandoned for years, it's not even considered or registered as a town anymore. The people who told me this story are an entire family, so all the names have been changed, and again, they will remain anonymous. This little pueblo is on the edge of a lake, and this will make sense later in the story. So one night, Jose and his friend Miguel were on horseback. They were returning from a neighboring town from un baile and seeing their girlfriends. As they were crossing the roads and, and fields, in the distance, they saw an airplane flying over. When a light appears above the airplane and shines down at the airplane, the airplane completely stops. 
almost like it was locked in time and space, not going up, not going down, not going backwards or forwards, just there hovering in midair with this light shining above it. According to Jose, it could have it couldn't have lasted more than like 10 seconds. And as soon as the light appeared, it vanished and the airplane resumed its flight. Jose and Miguel were freaked out because it made no sense what they saw. I would also like to clarify that Jose and Miguel did not grow up with pop culture as they lived in a farming town, very rural. The only electrical thing in this town were the street lamps. The houses, uh, you know, and residents still used oil lamps to light their way. Uh, they were not influenced by alien and UFO culture like many parts of the world. No electricity, no TV. Oh, you know what? Around like when is this happening? 1994. So they, ah, they still, you know, it was a very, very poor pueblito. So, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I just remember you already said it 1994, <laughs> but I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> no my worries. Bad. You know, yeah, you don't have to apologize to me. You know, I'm I'm the goldfish memory over here. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, now, now, literally, what I wrote now to return to the story. <laughs> Jose and Miguel depart from each other, each heading to their own homes. When Jose reached his homes, he went straight to the horse's stable. As he was putting away his horse, Jose noticed that the stable became entirely entirely lit like it was daylight. He noticed that the light shining down on the stable was the same light that had paused the airplane in midair. He no. described it as being similar to a spotlight, but on a much larger scale. And just, just like with the airplane, as soon as it came and left, once the light wow. was no longer shining down on the stable, Jose ran into his home locking his iron screen door and wooden door behind him. His sister, his brother, and parents were inside waiting for him, and they noticed that he was startled. And, you know, they were asking him what was wrong, and, and Jose told them the whole, you know, the whole story. And after a couple of hours, everything seems to calm down, you know, back to normal. When they were getting ready to go to bed, the star the, their dog started going wild. That's never a good sign. Yeah. Never <laughs> losing its mind, barking, growling, and wanting to like attack something. When their family hears something fall on the roof, a heavy <gasps> thump, like something either fell on the roof or if something jumped onto the roof. And that whatever was, whatever this creature was that starts walking across <laughs> their roof, you know. You, they hear footsteps, um, and to them, it was a bipedal creature, you know, walking on two legs. It was definitely not a four-legged creature. From what Jose's sister says, it sounded like this thing had claws, so every time it would take a step, it sounded like it was like, you know, whatever was on the feet or whatever. I don't even know if it had feet because they never saw the thing, but it sounded right. like it had claws, um, you know, it, the dragging across the roof you know at this point the the family is frantic jose and his brother grab their guns and ready for an attack whatever is on the roof if it comes through the ceiling they will be ready meanwhile the dog at this point is in fear it's no longer angry it's sounding afraid whining you know completely terrified and it starts charging at the doors over and over again from what i remember the details that they told me that the um, door started 
being knocked in, like, you know, being ripped off its hinges. Wait, the thing it was charging at no, the door or the, the dog? dog? The dog was oh, completely going okay. crazy and he started huh. charging at the door to break in. It, it, like, uh, it busted. Oh, the dog was outside. Yes, the dog was outside. Okay. Should have mentioned that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and uh, so it's uh, whimpering and growling in complete hysterics. And then all of a sudden, the noises, all the noises just stop. The walking on the roof has stopped. The dog has stopped. Everything becomes completely silent. They did not rest the entire night. And when morning came, they opened their busted doors to see that the dog was just laying there on the floor dead. Oh, my God. No blood, no cuts, no wounds. It just looked like it was sleeping. After these incidents, Jose has suffered a lot. Um, You know, he has... He's just, you know, it it traumatized him. Yeah. Many people around this town and the neighboring town see lights coming in and out of the lake. And that the lake that's at the edge of, of this little city, the little not city, Pueblo. One of those people who have seen the lights coming in and out of the lake has been Jose's sister. The same one that was in the, uh, who experienced this creature and, and stuff walking on the roof with him. So she's seen balls of light. And una platillo volador coming out of this lake. That was flying saucer for our Spanish challenged yes. friends. <laughs> so several other residents of this town and the neighboring town as well have seen lights, like balls of light and other things coming in and out of this lake. And it's custom for them to to wait outside and make sure that people get home safe. Because they do not know what, what's going on, you know, around the lake. And lechuzas have followed family members of this, you know the people who experienced this and some UFO believers think that owls have a connection to the UFO phenomenon, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But um, if it is true, then the experience of this family and the speculation of people who study the UFO phenomenon kind of make it valid. So, huh? I didn't know that. Yeah. Like owls have like this connection to the UFO phenomenon. I don't know. Like, are they just seeing whatever UFOs are seeing? A lot of people, when they see, like, UFOs, they see owls after. Oh. Yeah, either either from what I can – I've gathered, too, it's very – like, you start seeing owls, and and there's even a movie about that, right, MJ? The fourth kind, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I I love birds. They're my favorite animal, birds. But owls, my husband gets me everything owl, and I've oh, man, yeah. So sure. this family a connection with has had like a, a little like little owls, lechuzas follow them sometimes. Wow! Oh, there's apparently a book called The Messengers: Owls, Synchronicity, and Uf the UFO Abductee. Yeah. So I mean, hey, this this like kind of the story validates uh, that theory. I don't know that I've ever seen an owl. Uh, yeah, I haven't actually on that point. I have uh, an owl that lives on the tree right outside my window. And I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. And sometimes it follows me from the parking lot to several houses and until I get home. It's kind of weird. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) Owls freak me out for a completely different reason. I didn't know that they were connected to your foes. They just freak me out because of the lechuza stories. (laughs) Which is funny because like lechuzas are connected to like owls. Yeah are connected to so many things, to brujas, to like this knowledge, you know, I mean, even when, when people speak about owls are like the wise owl and aliens. So it had like owls just have this connection to the, um, 
to the strange paranormal. Yeah. We have, I believe it's one owl that lives mm-hmm. in directly outside of our home as well. And you hear the, the, the who is like a distinct, you know, sound you hear it and you automatically know it's an owl. One time I was going to LaGrange from Oak, from, I took the side, like the Oakdale side, Oakdale, California. And there was an owl and it was a massive white owl. And it, 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 and it was just standing there on the road. And I, I drive with my brights on since no cars were coming towards me, right? And as we get closer, the owl just takes off. But we've had so many encounters. Last, last night, actually, I was driving home and going towards Yosemite Boulevard. I'm driving towards LaGrange. And I tell my husband, I don't know where to. I just got this like feeling. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to see an owl tonight. Do you think we're going to see an owl? And he's like, I don't know. It's not not really a possibility for whatever reason. And in my mind, the whole drive home, I was thinking of an owl the whole time. And we get home. We don't see anything. I don't see anything. Don't mention it. I don't, you know, whatever. I go to bed and then I'm dreaming of this owl. And I'm dreaming specifically of a concert. Like I'm in a concert and there's this owl and it wakes me up. <gasps> and then the Whoa. owl's outside that of our is house. Insane. Like it's noise and I'm like, oh, should I wake should I wake up my husband to go outside with me and take a look at it? But I am I am like very cautious because I don't know, are you guys afraid of seeing an alien? Yeah, I would freak the fuck out. <laughs> I always said I wouldn't mind seeing it, but as long as it's like not coming towards me, like say um I always tell this to 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 people around me, I'm like, I wouldn't mind seeing something on the freeway, but like, can it get the person in front of me and not me? <laughs> and then, you know, I could be a witness to that, but I don't actually want it happening to me. Like, I want to witness yeah. the person and driving in front of me get abducted, not me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the thing is like, I just because I'm afraid of the unknown, I think that they, I am in fear of them hurting us. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I wouldn't want to be abducted or my family to be abducted uh-huh. or friends. But I'm really fascinated. Like, I, you guys remember the the show? Uh, is it Xenon? Yes, yeah. Xenon. The goal of the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go. I just want to go. I want to go. I want to go into outer space. Really take a step back and we are definitely not alone. We are I don't, I don't think so. Like the universe is way too yeah. big. Yeah. Too big. Imagine, you know, what, what there is, what else there is out there. Yeah. There's gotta be other lives. And D- did you, did you, have you been reading up on like uh, everything that was disclosed by the, was it the CIA? I still haven't. Did you? I think you did, didn't you? No, um, I have not, yeah. but like, I mean, not like completely dug into it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to read it. And then I was like, oh my God, it's like a million pages. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah no they, but they you know what i'm talking about right the um the what was it the the damn the CIA uh, videos that were just, or whatever uh, let me see the uh ufo declassified. i'm gonna google it right now you know, are you talking about um the fifth dimension no 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 no. there was a um god like last year uh, 2020 the the okay, they so like 2000, the government 2000 pages of the cia and it's documents detailing like ufo stuff yeah but there was the de- uh, declassified videos oh. that popped up in 2020 oh okay yeah i i remember seeing them last year and i and and the internet was like kind of but most people didn't even care yeah because it came shortly after everybody was gonna storm oh. like area look at this right yeah, yeah pentagon look at pentagon i'm on cn cnbc 
BC. Uh, Pentagon declassifies three UFO videos taken by Navy pilots. Um, and yeah. this this article came out on April 28th, 2020. Yeah, there was like videos last year, three videos declassified by the Pentagon. And this year, and was it was it this year? I think in the beginning of January, they declassified more stuff. So I don't know. I mean, not even Navy pilots, not even the government, the United States government can be like, you know, they're asking questions too. So that kind of makes yeah. their, their things more, um, you know, more, there's more validation to this ufo thing yeah there's so many so many things like i i I can recall like my mother-in-law she she was driving with her her best friend through the tehachapi and she claims to have seen a ufo and and so did her friend you know they were driving together Mm -hmm. by an air force base and um and usually from what i from what the pentagon again has been declassifying it's been with pilots with people who it's their job to be in the sky and I don't know. It's strange. It's strange. But yeah, I have never seen anything. I did get my kid a few years back because my son is obsessed with space, um, a telescope, and we would point it up at the sky. And you could see satellites. There was like, I think, two times when you saw something zigzag around the satellites. But I don't know. I don't know if I could like... It was weird. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But you do, you, if you point it up, you can see the satellites um, circling Earth all the time. Yeah, aliens are definitely, and I, I think, a very unexplained phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll continue to be like that for a really long time. Yeah. So this guy named Luis Elizondo, a former Pentagon official who was part of the initiative to release all the all the CIA papers that were released um, last year. But he says mm-hmm. in an interview, my personal belief is that there is very compelling evidence that we may not be alone. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like it makes you think. But at the same time, it, I, I feel like, you know what, the universe is so big. Of course there's something. Yeah, there has to be. Oh, so I... Um, downloaded some of those <laughs> some of the CIA papers this one is from from 1976 and um, it's a little hard to read but it says that an unusual incident was ob- observed during a 10 September 1976 British European Airways flight from Moscow Moscow to London between 6:30 and 7 the aircraft was cruising at an altitude of approximately 33,000 feet apparently inside of the border of Lithuania, when a blinding single-source constant intensity and stationary light was observed off the starboard flight path of the aircraft. The light's distance was estimated to be approximately 10 to 15 miles of the aircraft's flight, or sorry, path, and, um, let's see, approximately somewhat above a lower cloud layer. The light resembled a sodium vapor lamp, yellowish in color, and it was too intense to view directly for any period of time. It completely lit the top of the lower cloud layer, and it gave it a glowing cast. The light was of such interest that the BEA pilot came onto the aircraft's intercom network, stated that he was somewhat concerned over its presence. And he asked Soviet authorities for an identification of its source. The Soviet authorities came back with a negative identification response. 
suggesting that he could not ask such questions. The light was observed for 10 to 15 minutes until the aircraft had flown flown past it and left the light source behind. What? Yeah. Yeah, and with those with those, you know, you have to have permission to fly. You know if you're a pilot and you and you're working in an aircraft, you know that you know where every every plane is. Yeah, you know? and you know where you can and can't fly cuz there's some some places that you cannot fly over no matter what. They're like um off limits to and everybody in the world to fly over certain areas. This is a this feels like a good place to wrap up unless anyone has more to add. I think that's all. Thank you, girls, for having me on. Thank, thank you. you for telling yeah. your story. Now I'm like going to be more, more. I'm going to be looking up every time I visit Modesto. I'm going to be looking up for owls. <laughs> you know what owl freaks me out? The um, barn owl. But I think that was because of the movie. Yeah, for sure, because of the movie. Because they're so, they're so, they're actually very small. They're and they have that look to their face where, it, like, it looks like it's staring into your soul. They look human, human. Yeah, like human. Yeah, they they kind of look at you. Yeah, like like the way we look at people, it'd be like looking at you. Like, what'd you say? You know, you know that feeling that owls give me is this feeling of like you're somewhere and you kind of sense somebody looking at you. Yeah, you like you're being stared at. Yes. Yeah. You kind of think maybe there's a hidden camera here somewhere or something. Oh my god, am I on UFO reality TV now? Let me let me fix myself up. Speaking of owls, did we say we were gonna do La Lechuza next episode? I what are we doing? I don't remember. Well, we're doing La Lechuza now. Um, but yeah, catch us um, next week when we discuss uh, La Lechuza. Um, watch out for owls in the meantime. And always look up. You never know what you're going to see. Or don't look up so that you don't see anything. I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. And hope that it's the person in front of you <laughs> getting abducted and not you. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and you know, uh, don't forget to rate and review and, and tell your friends about us so that they can um, enjoy the uh, spooky tales as well. I had so much fun, you guys. Me too. This Thank was you. good. Thank you for having me on a spooky tales. You guys have a fantastic day and remember that we're not alone. Oh, that was a good ending. Don't say anything else, MJ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <Love> bye. <laughs> MJ, say bye to our listener. Bye. Now I'm scared to talk. All right. Bye. <laughs>